it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 725 for April 18th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, I am delighted to invite first-time person to the show, Wait, first time person? First time this person will be on the show, Aaron Carson, who is a senior writer at CNET. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I am really excited about this. I've become a big fan of Erin's uh, watching and listening to her on the Daily Tech News show. And she recently wrote an interesting article for CNET that I really wanted to dig into. But before we start, can you give people a little bit of background about you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you said, I'm a senior writer for CNET based in Nashville, Tennessee, so Music City. Um, I've been in tech reporting like the last eight years before I was at CNET. I was at a sister publication called Tech Republic. And uh, before that, did some music journalism and, and kind of other random stuff. So here I am. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So the article that you wrote was uh, entitled, Here's Why TikTok Songs are stuck in your head. And it was all about earworms, but in particular about TikTok. So the first question I got to ask is, do you suffer from earworms yourself? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that this is kind of the genesis of <laughs> this article is that, you know, I've always been a huge music nerd. I listen to music all the time, uh, used to cover music. And so for me, my natural state of being is that there's always some song playing in my head. And I always feel like I just go from one song right until the next. And <laughs> it's uh, not that you get earworms. It's that not having them is the oddity. Right. Yeah. It's like a never ending, you know, jukebox of it. There's always something playing. Um, so, but, but the experience of that changed a little, shall we say, when I, when I got on TikTok. You know, I'm a huge TikTok fan myself. Uh, now my audience knows this. I don't listen to music at all. Um, I believe I have something called music-specific anhedonia. I can send you an article in The Atlantic oh. where I was interviewed about this. It's, it's the very tiny subset of people who don't have emotional reactions to music. And oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's a, to talk about a cool brain thing about music, it, it's pretty interesting. But, uh, but I do really get into audio that I have seen with video. So TikTok in particular will stick where if I heard the same song on the radio, I, it, it doesn't get in there. But if I see something, I see somebody doing something to a video, that's where it does definitely get stuck. Oh, that's fascinating. So this is like a perfect storm for you with, with TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Well, and also I think a, a feature of TikTok is that the same song gets done by all different people. Maybe they're all. Maybe everybody's lip syncing the same thing, or maybe everybody's singing, uh, singing something, but just them singing it themselves. Different mixes of it, and so it's just getting ground into you, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. the The repetition is a huge part. I mean, for me, when I have like a particular song that seems to be taking over my FYP page. I feel like I just, I keep scrolling and it's the same thing over and over. It's the same kind of infectious, you know, 10 second clip or, or whatever. And I think that that, that's definitely part of what's uh, doing some damage here. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the other thing that's interesting about the way that happens in TikTok is it will be the same song day after day after day. And then just one day it's gone. And uh, the one that I was really fond of was, I forget the name of the song, but it starts out, uh, I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet too. And then Ryan Reynolds sang it and it was over. Once, <laughs> once he took it, it, it was like, nope, never going to get any better than that. That It's done. Right. This one is, yeah. we've wrapped it in a bow. We're done singing that now. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I think that was Grace Kelly by Grace Mika. Kelly. That's the name of the song. I, I'm trying to, I, you know, I have memories of that song 
in like 2009. So it's at least that old. Oh, wow. Um, which is funny, but yeah, that was, that was all over. And I feel like that had the kind of added appeal that people were trying to reconstruct the harmonies. And so you had the song itself is very catchy. Um, but then you had this sort of added thing where people were almost like doing this challenge of starting with here's the bass and here's the, you know, the melody line of this and this and that, and making this kind of whole, um, you know, uh, arrangement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a simple chorus, but you sing it like five or six times in different ways and they, and you add them all together as your own voice. So now when we start talking about earworms in particular, you've done uh, some research and if people want to see the uh, links to the actual papers that she, she cites, those are all in her article, which of course will be linked in the show notes. Um, but what have people found as far as like, how common are these earworms? So these are super common. Um, some research that I ran into from like a Finnish researcher uh, said that I think about 90% of people get earworms at least once a week, oh, which wow. is a pretty high number when you think of <laughs> 90%, you know? Um, and so this is really, you know, I think for most people and something that is, that is commonplace that at some point in their life, even once a week, maybe they've got some some tune that's lodged in their head. So that's the fascinating thing to me. Not that so many people get it, but that it's once a week, because I am definitely not in the once a week category, maybe once a month. You know, there has to be something that that causes it to get stuck. And it's probably because I don't listen to music that it doesn't it doesn't happen to me. I mean, otherwise, I just have the same one for a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure that the, the kind of exposure element, uh, you know, to definitely definitely plays a part. So uh, have earworms been recognized as a thing for a long time or is this a relatively new artifact of our digital society? Right. So that was something else that I found that was was super interesting is I ran into um, a reference of how I think the the Germans were talking about earworms uh, like 100 years ago. And they even have a, you know, a German word that I'm not even going to attempt for it. But so this is you know, not just something that is propped up, but it seems that for, for quite a while, humans have experienced this phenomenon of having a piece of music uh, kind of lodged in their brain when they're not actually listening to it. I'm picturing, you know, Grog in the cave with two rocks chanting and, and, uh, and you know, his wife just going, oh, man, all I can hear is that, that clanking in my head. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, that's something that I've often wondered is it like at what at what point in the history of popular music did people have enough exposure to music um, uh, you know, kind of at a frequency where it might have gotten stuck in their head, you know. So I'm sure that there's some some point in time where where earworms reach something of a critical mass. <laughs> if it is this natural for us to get this, I mean, if 90% of the people experience it once a week, then I would call it a natural phenomenon. It must have been happening when the minstrel show came through town, you know, whatever music could be created, it would be getting into people's heads. That that's what I would imagine that, you know, maybe once upon a time it was like chants that you heard in church or, you know, wherever. Yeah, Gregorian <laughs> chant. There a, you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the, the diabolical Gregorian chant that you just can't get out of your brain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, the Germans actually from a hundred years ago, they're the ones who actually coined the term earworm, right? 
Yes, it was it was a, a word that's very similar to that. That the you know the, the spelling is just a little bit different, of course, but it's uh, you know, very very similar. I forget the name. I did some other research, and there is an actual name for this phenomenon, not earworm, that the scientists like to use, but we all know earworms. So, okay. has there been any study to what goes what's going on in our brains when we hear music that's not actually being played when we're imagining music? Yeah. So something that. I also thought was pretty revealing and pretty interesting that I stumbled across with this is that there was uh, research, I think from Dartmouth that was saying that um, essentially like our audio cortex in our brain, like lights up the same way that it does when we're actually listening to music. So let's say that you've got, you know, um, you're listening to Spotify or something, your brain is reacting in the same way uh, when you have that song stuck in your head. So I think for a lot of people, you know, there's probably some, some link there for why it, it feels so immediate. You know, when I get a song stuck in my head, I feel like I'm listening to it. Right. And, um, and occasionally that's, that's part of the frustration, right? When you're only hearing a piece of it. <laughs> well, now that makes me wonder if, I wonder if they've done studies with, uh, with the deaf to find out whether they're, uh, that the part of the audio, the audio cortex in the brain is being lit up, whether that ever happens to them. Yeah. I would, I would be super interested to, to, yeah, to find out about that. I didn't quite stumble that way in my research, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah, this is like, I could just keep digging into this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I have a feeling you could do, spend a lot of time on this topic, but I guess there'd have to be some way to get it into their head if they can't hear it. You know, they're not they're not hearing TikTok repeating that one chorus. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting. So now now that we've talked more about earworms in general, how does how does TikTok work into this? Right. So you know, kind of where this started for me was um, around the time that I downloaded TikTok for the first time was the beginning of twenty twenty one, and the thing that was going around was the sea shanties. Oh yeah, and. <laughs> which I just adored. And like, um, like the joke goes at the time with many aging millennials, I was you know getting all my best TikToks from Twitter. And, uh, so I was seeing all these like compilations and whatnot. And that kind of drove me to actually, you know, download the app. And I had songs like the Wellerman, which was sort of the first, uh, TikTok shanty that, that started the whole craze just absolutely lodged in my head. And as, time has gone on, I realized I feel like most of the songs that are stuck in my head these days are coming from TikTok. And so I was really curious about, is there anything about TikTok that would make that the case? And so I reached out to um, some researchers and talked to one in particular, uh, Kalula Killingly in New Zealand, who kind of shed some light, some possible answers for for why that (laughs) might be. That's well, I've got to do a, a quick interlude here. And uh, I've actually told Aaron this offline, but I have to remind everybody the Wellerman Sea Shanty is the one that uh, Steve, my husband and producer uh, on the show, um, actually rewrote for my fans with new words and sang himself for the podcast. So uh, I've heard Wellerman quite a few times in my house, along with his version of it. So I, I will, of course, put a link to that in the show notes. So uh, when you talk to uh, Dr. Killingly, did what did she say about this effect? What, was there something possibly going on with TikTok that was causing this more often? Because I assume you didn't stop listening to regular music when you started TikTok. That's right. Yeah, this is you know this is part of what was kind of fascinating to me is it felt like it's competing for space in my brain and winning out. And so Dr. Killingly uh, kind of hit 
two, two main areas that felt really um, relevant <laughs> to this. So one, there is this con concept called like the Zignerich effect. And it's something that does not just apply to music, but on a broad level, it's kind of the idea that when your, your brain has like an unfinished task, you have a better memory for it. It's like your brain doesn't want to let go of this thing that feels like it's unfinished. And so in the case of TikTok, this could be listening to a fragment of a song because mm. somewhere in your brain, you know that it's not the full song if you're only getting like the 10 second version of it. And so that could possibly be a reason why uh, songs that, you know, you or I are hearing on TikTok could be like particularly potent. Um, and then the other facet of this is repetition, which we all, you know, are already kind of alluding to a little bit, but, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of more likely to get a song stuck in your head if you're hearing it over and over. And of course, with TikTok, when something goes viral and is trending, that's exactly what happens. You flip through video after video and you're hearing clips from we don't talk about Bruno or you know whatever else. <laughs> oh no, no, it's in there. Jeez. <laughs> that was back. Oh, come on. <laughs> How many people so, can hear the song right now? <laughs> right. Immediately, immediately queued up. Um, and so the in particular, those are, you know, two kind of um, you know, features that are that like that's just the way that TikTok works, right? These short bites over and over and over again. And it just so happens that the two of those um, make for these particularly potent earworms. You know, um, that that makes so much sense. And I, and I like the idea, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Zygernick effect is something like Wellerman, for example. Wellerman is a really, really long song, but that's not what you hear on TikTok. Uh, one of my favorites is a guy named Bobby Bass. He's got a bass voice that is like 12 octaves below anybody I've ever heard in my life. And he does it as a duet with this woman. And But it's only like 20 seconds long. And so that's just stuck in my head, the beginning of the song. Whereas when I hear the whole song, I don't think I hear it as much later. It's not stuck there because maybe it's that completion thing. It's like, okay, I can put that away now. The chords resolved at the end. Exactly. Right. And, and I think that what you kind of also end up with is like this concentration or this sort of very um, like undiluted, like you're just getting the hook in a lot of these songs. And so if that's the only thing you have to, to hold on to. It's like, oh, it is, it is in your brain. <laughs> and I think everybody can relate to this in, in task management. For example, the, uh, the, the getting things done uh, people, they, they talk about the importance of taking a task and breaking it down into pieces you can accomplish and writing them down and getting them into some sort of system as a way to get it out of your brain, because otherwise your brain is constantly going, I haven't, I got, I got to do that. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And it just sits there taking up 20% of your brain, especially when you're trying to get to sleep. Exactly. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was, I was going to mention going to sleep because that's something that I think you run into a lot. Like if you're someone who your head hits the pillow and you're like, Oh, I've got all this stuff on my mind and I can't get to sleep. Uh, they say like, make a to-do list. You know, write like write all your stuff out, put it away, and and then you can kind of let it go <laughs> and get to sleep. This has nothing to do with this subject, but I, I heard about a study done a while ago. I don't know if it was a good scientific study or not, but it, it showed that women's brains 
asleep were more active than men's brains awake. <laughs> and and one of the things is we're still doing the to-do list when we get to bed. We're asleep and we're already going, okay, I got to go to the dry clean. I got to do this, you know, get everything done. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I've, I've had dreams where I was just answering emails. So I, I don't even know. <laughs> probably because you didn't finish them. They ne- probably because I didn't finish them. <laughs> they never, they never finish. So you mentioned, um, you me- mentioned the hook. Talk a little bit about what you, what you wrote about that. Yeah. So Something that I I ran into that I thought was really cool was this uh, piece in the New York Times that was written by the hosts of the Switch John Pop podcast, uh, Nate Sloan and Charlie Harding, and and their deal is is they basically like dissect and analyze pop music. And in this piece, they were talking about how songwriting has been changing, and what they were kind of putting forth is that traditionally we think of you know, pop songs in particular is that kind of like verse, chorus, verse, bridge, et cetera. Um, but in this day and age with maybe attention spans being what they are and digital, you know, media being what it is, there's more of a, a pressure or a need to, to build these songs that are just hook on hook on hook, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just different. And so, for example, um, they were talking about the song Bad Guy by Billie Eilish, which is a great song. That's also a really good example of, I think you could drop into that song at any point and find something to get stuck on. And um, so, you know, that also made me think of of some of the other songs that I've you know run into on TikTok. Like for example, there's um, there's an artist in Canada, I believe, um, Elliot Platt, who goes by Ellie Otto, and he um, made the or you know created this song called Sugar Crash, which was just all over my FYP for a while. And FYP when I listen, is what is FYP for you page? And oh, okay. so this is kind of like the algorithmically driven heart of your, uh, you know, TikTok. This is all the videos that, that TikTok is like, you might like this. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I went to actually find the full version of, of Sugar Crash, it was, it was really fascinating to me because on one hand, you could almost argue that this song doesn't have anything that looks like a traditional structure. It's just like, it, it, it's like this intense, undiluted, <laughs> sort of like energy packed, um, you know, hook, hook, hook. And 80 seconds later, the song's over, you know? Oh, and so it felt like a kind of a perfect, perfect example of, of what was going on that in this day and age, you, you got to get to the goods real fast. I wonder whether... Encanto to, to me has got a lot of uh, earworms of opportunities. Um, we already talked about. We don't talk about Bruno, but uh, what's the woman? Uh, the one about the uh, the sister who's oh, carrying the weight pressure. on her shoulders. Surface pressure, mm-hmm. but but there's a rhythmic thing to that that just keeps repeating in my head, and that that that's another one where uh, it has become interesting on TikTok because it's become symbolic for women that we are carrying the weight on our shoulders. Maybe we're not carrying donkeys like she is in the movie, but <laughs> we, carry, we carry the weight on our shoulder. What is it? What is the phrase she says when she's lifting your hands up? Um, oh my goodness. I'm blanking out. I can, I can hear, hear it. it. And it's <laughs> just <laughs> like, uh, like the, um, like she's saying like drips and drops. Drip, drip, drip. Yeah. But that, that hook is maybe not at the very beginning, but it's pretty close to the beginning. And 
how do they even figure out how to make a hook? Like a hook oh is a goodness. subjective thing, right? Afterwards, you right. know it's a hook. Exactly. I mean, th- this is like the secret sauce, right? I mean, this is the thing that I think if, you know, um, if songwriters had like a very easily available recipe for how to make a hook, everybody would, you know, <laughs> like I live in Nashville, you know, which is, you know, everybody's just like a songwriter here. And that, like that's the money, you know, if you can craft a hook that, that, that pulls people in and makes them want to listen again. Um, yeah, that's, that's the magic. I, w- I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> that's like when you hear people say, I'm going to make this go viral. Okay. Good luck. (laughs) Let me know how that works out for you. You're going to push the viral button. Oh, I didn't think of doing that with mine. (laughs) Should have hit the viral button, this whatever site. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So um, the audience knows about uh, Dr. Marianne Gary from the University of Waikato. She's been on Chit Chat quite a few times. Uh, She likes to call herself crusher of dreams because basically anything you think you know about memory, you no longer know about memory. And uh, so when you, when I was reading your article and you referenced a bunch of papers, I started asking her questions about it. And the the delightfully naive thing about Dr. Gary is that she thinks I have the capacity to read hundreds of pages of long form scientific text. She's delusional on that. I can I can read a couple of paragraphs. I I'm in like I read in Twitter bytes. You know I can read a lot of Twitter bytes, but I can't read anything long form anymore. I just seem to go into a coma. So anyway, I tried reading uh, these papers that she sent me. In fact, I used a little trick. I I often I pretty much only use it when Marianne sends me something. Is I select the text on the iPad and I tap it and I say speak it to me and I have it read it to me because I literally can't sit and read this stuff that long. Um, what I what I discovered was uh, the research. She sent me, and she's going to kill me. Uh, Dr. Ira, somebody uh, is a friend of hers who is um, works at the University of Washington, I think it is. And uh, let's see, here we go. I'm going to get his name, uh, Ira. Ira Hyman. So he's done a bunch of research on earworms, and the the papers I was reading were were interesting, but I couldn't figure out what the conclusions of them were. And I, you know, we're all looking for the answer, right? And some of the studies they did were, like one of them was um, they took people and induced earworms in them. And they did it with instrumental music and they took half of the people and they gave them, um, what's the right word? Like annoying music. And the other, like some is pleasing and some is displeasing. And I don't know how they defined pleasing and displeasing music because I sort of think that's an opinion thing. But then they started inducing these these memories, but they were attaching it to tasks they were doing. And I really couldn't figure out what their conclusion was. I mean, they clearly could induce earworms in everybody, but they were kind of trying to study what what happens when you induce them and how long do they last? Do they last in the lab? Do they can they describe them in and out outside of the lab? But it it was interesting, but I wasn't sure where where it ended up. Yeah, that's it's it's so interesting because um, it feels like there's so much research kind of on this topic, and yet so much more to go, you know, like even, even just when you were mentioning that, I was thinking to myself about how, like, I have a harder time with remembering songs that don't have lyrics. Like I, I love jazz, but I'm terrible for like recalling say like snippets of jazz, you know? And I was like, Oh, I want to read that study that, that, you know, looks into to instrumental versus <laughs> music with lyrics and, 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 you know, digs into how people remember it. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, as not a music aficionado, um, actually, my brother Jan was the director of music synthesis at the Berklee School of Music 
which to anybody who doesn't know is the essentially as Juilliard is to dance, Berkeley is to jazz. Um, I, luckily, before he passed away, I never told him that I don't actually listen to music. I, I think it would have crushed his soul if he had known it. <laughs> uh, but I, it doesn't seem like jazz is the same kind of memorable in your head sort of thing to me. But that's, you know, from someone who doesn't listen to music. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think it just has to probably be somewhat dependent on what your own, you know, predispositions. Like my dad is really good for this stuff. Like he can kind of sit there and kind of walk through all kinds of arrangements and, and, and all that. And, and all I know is that I love it, but I have a terrible time recalling it. <laughs> I've also noticed that people hear different things when they, when they hear music. My husband, Steve, hears the bass line. He'll, he'll start humming yeah. just the bass line. It's like, I didn't even hear that. All I heard was the melody. I couldn't, I, I would notice if all the other parts weren't there, but I don't notice that part. On the other hand, he also discovered when he was trying to write, do the, uh, the sea shanty, the Nosilicast sea shanty, that there, um, he couldn't harmonize. He tried really hard to, even though he listens to the harmony, he hears the harmony, embraces the harmony, he couldn't make it come out of his own voice. His voice went to the melody immediately. And uh, yeah. so I think, I think we all hear things differently and remember things differently and pull these pieces together differently. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know uh, where I went to undergrad was a very kind of music heavy school here in Nashville. And these are the, the kinds of debates that everybody was always having about like, all right, is the music more important? Is it the lyrics? Is it this? Is it that? Like, what's the thing that pulls people in? And it was always interesting to get that kind of survey from, you know, different people and find out like, what is, what is the thing that gets them and what's the thing that, you know, really um, sort of uh, cements a piece of music in, in their brain. So yeah. I would bet there's some cultural aspects to that as well. I wonder if that's been studied because um, people who listen to rap and find that hooks them might not be, the same flavor of people who listen to pop and get hooked on that. Right. I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I've, I've also met so many people who are able to dip into different genres and find mm. something to, you know, appreciate about, I mean, if, if you're someone who likes a, like a good beat, you can find that in, in many different genres, you know, if you're looking for some kind of like floor on the floor or, you know, or you like syncopated rhythms or you like different, you know, things like, um, yeah, you can just find that in, in different forms and a lot of different genres. <laughs> I know uh, Steve has always uh, never really got into Barbara Streisand because her songs didn't have a consistent beat. He always felt kind of unsettled because they didn't they didn't follow any kind of a rhythm. The the rhythm was not part of it. It was the lyrics and the and the yeah. tone. It wasn't. It, it, in fact, it was. I, I don't even know what the timing of some of her songs were. It seemed really really off kilter. Yeah. No. That that's fascinating. And and you know, and, and going off of there, I mean, I you know, I remember like um, you know, my grandfather used to love like improvisational jazz, but when he got older, he was. He was he found himself drawn more to more structured music and went back to classical and you know and that kind of thing. So I guess it maybe just depends on yeah your your predispositions or where you are in life or where you know what you've been exposed to in the past and you know and I remember there was like a while ago I was talking about some kind of you know article or study with one of my friends that was also talking about like the music of your youth and and how. Um, the music that you are drawn to and immersed in when you're like a teenager going through, um, 
you know, kind of fundamental life shaping events just kind of hits differently than when you're older and you might not form the same, say like, you know, emotional connections or something to, to a song when you're 30 versus when you were, you know, 16. So so, so many different, really interesting factors at work here. I think uh, I, I used to blame my uh, music Anadonia on the fact that I grew up in the 80s with the Bee Gees. So, like, who can blame me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the high, high harmonies? <laughs> yeah, well, but, you know, I mean, I hear staying alive, man. I am, I am all over that. I'm dancing. <laughs> Well, this has been really interesting, Erin. I, I think this is a topic that I could go uh, deeper and deeper into, and it's it's cool to see uh, Dr. Hyman continuing to do this research. The latest article I saw by him is uh, from 2018. That's where they were doing the positive and negative uh, involuntary cognitions using instrumental earworms, which really, just, people only got like $15 to have this done to them, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I can I can tip you off to more of this research if you'd like to keep going down this uh, this rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. I will gladly gladly go further down this rabbit hole. <laughs> so, uh, if people wanted to follow your work, follow you online, what would be the best place to do that? Yeah, so you can always find me at cnet.com, and if Twitter is your thing, I am at Aaron Carson, and that's E R I N C A R S O N. That's me. Well, very good. I, I have to say, I'm just really glad that finally Rebecca Black's Friday is finally out of my head. <laughs> You've spoken too soon. It's You're back. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Aaron. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported, it's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the PodFeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.